Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, and if not, we'll sprinkle in Bobby Mack and Allison, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here on this journey, and tonight that journey is wrestling, Russian roulette. Because we didn't have anything better to do except pull something out from season one. Joining me tonight, making his triumphant return in what we figured out to be roughly six to eight weeks. His longest hiatus of the show since we started. He is the Yellow Shoe Guy. He comes with his own uh, disclaimer where the opinions of the Yellow Shoe Guy are those of his and his alone. And not of the Smack Draw Podcast Network or Bosh Spots and Chair Shots. Bobby Mack. How the hell are you, Bubba? Dude, doing well, doing well. It's finally cooling down here in Texas. It got down to 90 degrees this week. So man, it's amazing. Uh so yeah, it's it's cool. Like I'm it's jacket weather, bro. Jacket weather in the nineties. I think bro, we got this morning when I got up, it was fifty-six degrees. And that's why I don't live in Tennessee. Oh come on. That's like hoodie weather. It is hoodie weather. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of hoodies in uh, Tennessee, yeah. <laughs> and chiming in from the boss bitch's corner is the Bonnie to my Clyde. She's the Hova to my Beyonce. She is the boss bitch, Miss Allison Siegel. I said that backwards. Allison, how are you? I'm fine. I sound terrible because I'm congested because fucking ragweed, but we're making it. I'm congested because of regular weed. <laughs> well, you know. I always start this episode always the same way. I always ask you guys, what has you pissed off for greatness this evening in professional wrestling? I'm just going to let either one of you answer. How do you put an indie POS on your national television program with an effing pizza? Like, how do you do that? Where where have you not learned in the years that this indie shit doesn't work? Like, it doesn't work. Are you talking about Luigi Primo? Shut the fuck up, it's not Luigi. <laughs> Luigi <laughs> Primo? Luigi. Luigi Primo? Is that who you're talking about there, Bobby Mack? I don't even want to say the guy's name, but yeah, it sounds about right. So my one question for you is, how does it? How do you think that makes Luigi Primo feel if the one person in AEW that I will not have anything to do with in Ethan Page is the one that's like, I take this job the most seriously. This is the man that wrestled himself on green screen. And now he's on AEW national TV saying he's the only pro wrestler who takes it seriously. What do you guys think about the fact that Ethan Page super kicked Luigi Primo for making pizzas on his TV station? I What I've always said is chefs don't belong in wrestling. And... Wow, I feel I feel triggered. Wow, I feel triggered. Wow. That's just calling me out. Yeah, there was no, no hesitation there. Yeah, no, man. It just it it's a stupid gimmick. Like Orange Cassidy's one thing, and they learned really quick. Well, they didn't learn quickly, but they've learned over the past three years. You give us Orange Cassidy in just little, you know, little sections. You know, he's not an every week type of guy. Um, there's so many other guys like Marco Stunt, totally failed. Um, 
And then you bring in this guy, Luigi, who... Luigi. Luigi. Yeah, I, I've, I've been playing Mario Brothers the right way for many years. Um, so how do you bring this guy in? Like, and I've watched, like, yeah, it sparked my interest. I want to see what he's done on the indies. He legitimately spun a pizza around an entire match and acted like one of the bucks, or should I say a road warrior, and no soul. It just, it, he doesn't belong on national TV unless it's like America's Most Wanted or one of these crime shows, which I'm not accusing him of anything. Any, but, uh, you know, I'm not ruling it out either. You're so, not accusing him of crime against pizza? Crime oh, I'm accusing him of crime against the kitchen. Crime against the business of pro wrestling, maybe? Yeah. Guilty as charged. Miss Siegel? Um, hmm. What has me pissed off? Uh, I, you know, I always forget to prepare for this one. It's only on every episode. Yeah. I don't ever fucking think about it. Actually, two episodes, he totally forgot about it. I did leave it out two episodes ago. Um, I'm pissed off because... I'm super fucking tired of hearing about CM Punk and the Bucks. Oh, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. That has to be on I one know, of the three lists. But like, let's move on. I don't disagree with you. Bobby, I want your opinion on this. And uh, I don't want to digress too far before we get there because I'm sure it'll probably come up. Uh, I said last week when all of this first started, I was like, if this happened 35 years ago in the business, you know, put it in the 80s. Like, to, they act like this is the first time two wrestlers have ever gotten in a fight in the backstage area. You know what I mean? Like, this this has been blown, I don't want to say blown way out of proportion because it did have champions abundant throughout the entire issue. But once again, I reiterate the fact, this isn't the first time the world champion has been in a fight in the locker room. Yeah, like, you know, you can look at, uh, like, Ric Flair, you know, apparently in Puerto Rico famously, like, lost the belt because he was scared he was going to get his ass kicked uh, later on in the night. Um, I think the biggest difference at this point in time is, one, because Kayfabe is dead, and Punk went out there and pretty much embarrassed Tony Khan um, in that press conference by calling all this stuff out. And Khan, I don't know how the guy really owns two football teams. And I'm, that's for our English fans. You're, you know, you're, we're we're going to clarify. European football is soccer, Bobby. We're in the American South here. Soccer. And for all my European... No offense, no offense to the, any of our Indian friends. Botchpots and chair shots, huge in India. It, it yeah. can be football over there. I, I appreciate my English fans. So thank you guys for your football. Um, football. But, but yeah, you know, that was embarrassing. And I think one of the biggest things, Khan, again, this guy's a billionaire. And he owns these two big sports franchises. But yet, when lonely Seema Punk sits next to him, and starts calling him and his VPs out, saying they couldn't manage out of a target. And he didn't stand up for himself or say, that's enough questions, uh, you know, Punk go to the back, Brooks go to the back, whatever. And he allowed it to continue. It made him and his company look foolish. So if there would have never even been a fight in the back, Punk would have definitely had to go. Do you think... There's been some people that have likened this, saying it was the same for the business that the curtain call was. 
meaning that it pulled the curtain completely back. It, it pulled all kayfabe out of the window. It was all gone. He just pretty much laid everybody's dirty laundry for the entire business side of AEW out there for everybody. Do you think him doing this, even if kayfabe is dead and the people don't believe it's real, do you think what he did the other night set the business back? No, because I'm going to go ahead and say that this is that screw job. Um, maybe it's a work thing because one, Punk is injured. He's out for eight months. Two, there's photos of Kenny Omega already in Japan. Um, was this a planned vacation? How did he get there so quickly? He is doing promotion for the video game too, which does, like with the way travel visas and stuff work right now, I don't feel like that's just a plan that got dropped because he got suspended. So, I right. mean, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, and the sending the feelers out to the WWE almost feels like con because, you know, what, a couple weeks ago, he was talking about, you know, WWE interfering with his wrestlers. Is this a ploy on his crazy mind to try to get WWE to make these offers to these contract guys so he can sue them and go go backstage. So have I thought about it probably too much? Yeah, but I also just visited a Daily Faza and I saw where all the uh, other people shot Kennedy at too. <laughs> all right, Allison, I'm gonna send it up to you. It's time for you to tee it off. You've got a list of some things to start with, then we're gonna kinda go through the circle and see what we wanna chat about. I'm gonna let you tee the first one off. Okay, um, I'm going to start with this because this is the fucking funniest. Um, so apparently today, Seamus and Corbin got into a little Twitter spat. Um, then MJF kind of stupidly got involved. He inserted but, uh, himself into the situation. Thank you for correcting me, sir. <laughs> As you were. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so it started out because uh, Seamus tweeted because he was pumped about like, I don't know what number he was, but being on like the PWI like list or whatever. PWI top 500. <laughs> the what? The PWI 500. Yeah, that thing. Um. So Corbin, so like Seamus tweeted pro wrestling in uh pro wrestling banger index 2022 and he Seamus just listed his name over and over and over again uh Corbin re-quoted the tweet put a gift that says that's a bold strategy uh cotton let's see if it pays off for him and it says if you tell people over and over and over and over and over maybe they will believe it um and then Sorry, I gotta flip back and forth. I'm terrible at this. Why do you have me on this show? Um, <laughs> um Seamus then tweeted back um that Baron Corbin was like 126 on the list and said stats don't lie. Uh Corbin said, thanks for the info. I'm not a mark, so I didn't read the issue. See if you can get Dave to retweet you. <laughs> um, then Seamus said, kayfabe, bro, kayfabe. Real heels wear scars. And this is where MJF interjects himself. And he retweets it, saying, sad, thinking that Seamus is talking about him. 
um, when really he was talking about uh, Chris Jericho. So Seamus calls uh, MJF out in his own tweets. <laughs> and yeah, it just goes from there. It's pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. So good stuff. Kind of. Yeah, I love the idea of these guys going at each other in social media because it's the closest we'll ever get to them actually fighting in a rink. So, I mean, I'll take the social media spats. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. bother me at all. Yeah, this it's it's fun when the guys in the same company go after each other. And then when another guy from another company goes in, like it's even more fun. Like, it, you know, it does show that, you know, these guys probably have never even met each other before. But, um, you know, MJF and Corbin, uh, but you know, it just shows the camaraderie of a locker room and a business uh, that you, I think you find also, you know, in other pro sports like football and basketball, things like that, that, you know, there, there is friendly competition, um, you know, being a, being a guy from Florida, Florida state and, you know, university of Florida Gators on the field. Yeah. You know, we all dislike each other, but in reality, like we have the best rivalry and like most fun because it's, it's a fun rivalry. Like it's not like Alabama and Auburn where, people legitimately will lock relatives out of the house and not speak to them. Um, and bam, and to not speak to a relative, especially a good looking one is a, it's a big thing. And that's a, that's a big <laughs> thing in their rivalries. I'm just, how do you feel about the Florida Gators this year, Bobby? Uh, I'm a Seminole fan. So uh, I'm actually impressed by all of the Florida teams right now. Um, even Miami's won a game. So uh, I know it's early in the season, but, uh, you know, go Florida. If one of us wins, then we all win. Um, unless it's Miami, then we will just say, okay, cool. Our ugly stepbrother won. The Florida State Seminole Vesicles. You've never oh. seen Letter Kenny, have you? No. Never mind then. Fuck that. Moving on. Do you think PWIs all work? Yes. You think oh, well, I... the whole thing, the, the top 50,000 or whatever it is, you think it's all a work? Yeah, their I think their first year was true, um, you know, and that was a you know that was a Bill After magazine. So Bill After was famously made up stories and stuff like that in there, you know, to sell a magazine. Or yeah, it's not an After Mag anymore. But the first year they did it, which I think was, and I'm not looking this up. I think it was '88, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they put a disclaimer in the article that said, "We will never be doing this again." And then it came back and they've been doing it ever since. Um, and every year, you know, I know some of the guys on the Indies and stuff like that, that, you know, they'll, they openly tell you, yeah, you know, I just told my friend, you know, this, and I know they work for PWI or they've got inside connections and stuff like that. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't read the list in a long time, but I, I assume that a lot of Dave's guys are at the top. They are. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys a curveball question. I didn't do this ahead of time because, you know, that's what we do. Um, if you had to think of your botch spots and chair shots, yellow shoe guy, top five. Okay. Who do you think are the five best professional wrestlers in the world right now? Regardless of gender. Gender is re just completely aside. Who do you think are the five best? And that's overall, that's work. That's talking. That's, you know, performance work rate wins losses titles the whole nine like whatever you think requires them to qualify for your top five of 2022 so my top five 
qualifiers being in 2022, they had to perform in the ring and wrestle a match. Okay, fair enough. Uh, number five would be Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson, which I don't which I don't know which one he is anymore. Um, yeah. Number four would be um, Becky Lynch. Number three, MJF. Number two, CM Punk. Really? Yep. And number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wow. Okay. Do you think he'd had enough draw to make him qualify to be the the number one? one? Match, one match, two or three promos, main event in WrestleMania without anybody questioning it. Fair enough. I mean, you qualified, he checked all the boxes. I mean, I can't argue with you. Uh, Allison, did you think quick enough to throw five names together on the list? Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you think quick enough? <laughs> um, okay, so number five, I would put, even though I don't super care for him, but what he's done recently, I would put Seamus. Um, then I would put Roman at four. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, then I'd say MJF. Um, Bobby's going to give me shit for this, but I don't care. But I think he's done some cool stuff. I put Darby Allen at two. Wow. Don't look at me like that. That's a, that's a yep. scolding hot take. That was to a put lot. Well, I'm going to fall out of my chair. You can put me on the list. Listen. <laughs> Bobby just took a bump. He's in the PW. Bobby took one bump. He's in the PWI top 500 now. That's oh, all it took. He made the top 500, Bobby, just from that one bump. Dig his vibe. I think he's cool. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with liking He's had some he's, banger matches. He People has had some. Credit. His first yeah. match with CM Punk was amazing. It was one of the first yeah. times in his MJF match. I think his match with MJF really showed how well he can wrestle. Um, mine, throwing mine I, together. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Were you not done with yours? No. As usual, Will's a little premature. That's not true at all. <laughs> 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 Not even a little bit. <laughs> um, number one is the goat, uh, Seth Rollins. Okay, that's kind of where I thought you were going with that. Uh, my top five for 2022, uh, Seth at number five. I feel like he's the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. His win-loss record doesn't matter because, there. yeah, he might get up to bat and strike out, but there's a greater than or equal to chance he's going to hit a home run. You know what I mean? Like, he's Babe Ruth. He's a solid pick. For MJF, um, I feel like he's he somehow went from being one of the most, like, over people in professional wrestling, and he's almost had an even better year to the point you could almost say he was the most improved wrestler of 2022 because he stepped it up even further than where he was at last year. Uh, Bianca Belair, I think she's carried the women's division in professional wrestling for the last two years since her WrestleMania match against Sasha. Uh, Roman, number two. And then I think the best technical wrestler in ring right now performing is uh, Brian Danielson. So there's my top five. It's all the work. It doesn't matter anyways. 
We we agreed on a couple of those. Yeah, I think. Uh, talking, hold on, to clarify, I'm talking to Will. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying to you, Allison, that he didn't agree with shit that you put on the board. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. What's... I know who writes booty texts around here, Bobby. <laughs> the the former IC champ. I'm the only one with the title belt. Thank you. You do. You have a tie. You have an IC title belt. All right. Uh, another one off your list, Miss Siegel. Oh, it's like what the fuck are you talking about? Um. Well, since Marie's already kind of talking about it in the chat, mm -hmm. um, the Bucks have denied that they've ever reached out to anybody in WWE despite what Daddy Dave has said. And now Daddy Dave is um, pulling back, saying that, no, no, it's not true. So is everybody else's Uncle Dave, but he's your Daddy Dave? Whatever. <laughs> Again, I'm hyped up on so much allergy medicine, like, fuck it. Hey, I I always think 99.999% of whatever Dave Meltzer says is bullshit anyways. I think if you go back far enough, the man had some credibility to what he was writing. But there's just too much week over week where he's continually, every time, just hyping AEW up for no reason. Uh, Bobby, I'm curious what you feel about this because my argument was the five-star rating means nothing if everybody gets five stars. Yeah, and listen, they named a move after him. So, of course, he's going to be, like, worshipping him. Yeah, <laughs> the Meltzer driver. Yeah, you know, like, that's the only reason. Like, he, he was a mark. He was on the outside. He was, you know, a guy that, you know, some of the guys back in the day liked, the other guys really hated, um, you know, Crazy enough, Cornette was actually a really big fan of his for the longest time. Well, um, Jim says that he stole the star rating system from him. That was originally his idea. Yeah, it was uh, Cornette's old magazine that he had or uh, newsletter that he had. Uh, obviously not as big as what Dave's newsletter is, but, you know, that's, you know, kind of the whole thing with Dave was, you know, he's one of these guys. And when you get into a locker room for the first time or the guys start to acknowledge you or they start to know your name, like, yeah, you do mark out and like, I'm I'm a perfect example. When I see Ricky Morton and I put over the Rock and Roll Express and put over Ricky Morton, you know why? Because I know who Ricky Morton is and Ricky Morton knows who I am and we talk and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's it's cool like when you meet your heroes. And Dave was uh, he hero worshipped a lot of these guys back in the day. And then now these young kids, or they used to be young kids, young bucks in actually. Um Oh, that was clever. I see what you did there. Yeah, boom. Uh they come along. And not only do they meet him and invite him in the locker room and out to, you know, eat and all this other kind of stuff, they name a move after him. And it was probably the smartest thing they ever did because then he started talking about him all the time. And he got them just as over, if not more, than their own move sets. What are your opinions on the Bucks, Allison? I know you're not a huge Bucks fan per se, but what do you think about, like, the incredibly huge circle jerk that is the Wrestling Observer Newsletter in AEW. I think that my issue with the Bucks is not their abilities. My issue is that like it's an ego thing for me. Like they whine about something and get it. Like 
oh, there's a new title. Let me swing my EVP dick and I'm going to get it. Like, and then the whole thing with Punk, like, let me get involved in something that has nothing to do with me. Although Punk did call them out. Punk was but, asked a question about Colt, though, that started the whole thing. Right. But I guess, like, like pre to that, like, the Bucks had said something about it. Or Adam, somebody said something. I don't know. Either way. Like, if you're going to be an EVP, like, you need to, like, show that you're going to be a leader and not act like a little bitch when something doesn't go your way. Like, you should want what's best for the company before what's best for yourself. And I think that's my problem, is that they will put themselves before the company. Do you feel like they're one of the reasons and Omega is one of the reasons why Cody left? Probably. I think Cody was unhappy with his role. And I think when he accepted that, I won't put myself in the world title picture. And then he was one of the biggest stars in the company and he wasn't able to compete. Like, I think he eventually felt like he was, uh, like, shoehorned into a role like he was forced down he couldn't do anything above where he was at you know he had the malachi black stuff he had the anthony agogo rivalry he had the mjf thing but it was all short feuds over time none of them were like long-term stories and i think having 12 weeks between each pay-per-view or whatever it is because they do the four a year so that you're two and a half months three months between each one i feel like that's enough time to build a quality story. And with all of Cody's stories falling flat, I can't think of one rivalry outside of Brody that was like a really like hard hitting rivalry. So I think Cody was just unhappy with his booking. Yeah, but he was one of the bookers too. So, you know, was, was the Bucks and Omega too powerful for him in the back to like change that kind of booking? Or, you know, I think I'm not a Cody fan. I'm definitely not a Brandy fan. But I do yeah. say that Cody is more uh, mature than what the Bucks and Omega were. They'd been on the big stage before, so they understood all that. <clears throat> Obviously, being the you know son of Dusty Rhodes didn't hurt him at all either, except for in this situation where he is, like what Punk said, he's dealing with children. In reference to you saying the Bucks and Omega had been on the biggest stage, what were you talking about? I said they they hadn't been on the biggest stage. They hadn't, oh. been in the they hadn't seen production. You know, Cody grew up in WCW behind the scenes. So he got, you know, he saw production, you know, pretty much coming out of the womb. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be surprised if Dusty like didn't have a horseman jump in uh, the, the uh, delivery room <laughs> and film it. JJ Dillon came in to make sure that the, the, the doctor had a good, you know, angle for the match. Yeah. Um, you know, I could see Arn Anderson hitting the doctor over the head with a chair. While Ole's, you know, holding the wife's arm, like trying to break it. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how it happens right there. That was the birth of Cody Rhodes live on Botch Bots and Chair Shots. You're up. Next one off your list. Um. So back to the some of the PWI list stuff. Uh, PWI officially moves Kevin Owen into their babyface category. Do you feel like? KO is actually a baby face. 
I think he's a tweener. I think he's pretty much based on what night of the week it is, what market <laughs> they're in. If he's going to be in a city where he knows he's going to get – like if he's in Canada, 100%, he'll go out there. But if he goes to Texas, there's no way Texas is going to let him be a babyface. They still hate him for all the WrestleMania dirt he was talking before then. So I think it's very reminiscent of like a Bret Hart in the late 90s Montreal era where he was really over the further north you went, but the further south he was, he was you know hated as a hill. So I think Kevin Owens has a lot of that in the bag. Because I think it's all about whatever market Kevin's performing in is the where KO ranks as far as on the heel and babyface side of things. Yeah, I like the fact that, you know, since the, the Stone Cold thing, obviously Owens was playing against Texas. Like the match was going to be in Texas. So he was doing that cheap heat uh, type of thing. Now I don't see him doing the cheap heat as much as he's just doing, hey, this is the way I feel. And I'm coming out here and telling you guys the way I feel. So I won't equate him to Bret Hart. I'll actually go a step further. And I say right now he's starting to be more of a stone cold where he's just going out there and it doesn't matter if he's cheered or booed. He talks the same way and he doesn't change that cadence. He doesn't change the way he's going to talk to you. Um, and he's going out there and he's, he's trying to be real as real as Kevin Owens is. I completely agree with that. I think he's just being KO now, which is exactly who he needed to be. When he got the pay raise, I feel like he just kind of started phoning it in to some extent. And then when Vince left and he finally got a little bit more of his freedom back, bringing back the the prize fighter and fight Owens fight and all of this stuff, I feel that this version of KO is the closest thing to Kevin Steen we might see. In WWE. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I hate to say it, but yeah, I agree with you. I've got one for you guys. Okay. Right now, the way it stands, there's a tattoo artist that does Randy Orton's tattoos. Okay. She mm-hmm. is suing. She got her day in court with a judge and jury. She is suing for royalties because her artwork is in the video game. Shut up. No, for real. This is the way it's going down. I can't remember the lady's name. I was just looking up headlines before we signed on. And I thought about you, Al, because of school, and you know a lot about the copyright laws and how that stuff works. So I was curious to see how far we could bridge that, the reality of what actually becomes your, like, uh, what would the the rights be called there? It's like... Intellectual Intellectual property. Yeah, your intellectual property. Thank you, guys. I beat her. I beat her. So WWE has been going through this war over royalties for years. If we go all the way back to Jesse the Body, we're looking at, you know, the video games with him and the Predator and WWE, like for a long time, Jesse was saying he wasn't even under contract with WWE. It was all under the table because Vince didn't want to pay him royalties. And now there's a Jesse the Body Ventura clause in all the WWE contracts that talk about royalties. And this is why we see them changing people's names and everything that goes into it. What do you guys think about the reality of a tattoo artist wanting royalties for her work being in a WWE video game? Here's the thing. If she's going to do that, then she should also ha- she sh- like to, to prove that she has a case. She would need to sue... Every single person that she has tattooed that has posted a photo of themselves, any celebrity, any anybody, 
that has ever like posted a photo like she can't if she's gonna do it she can't just limit it to this one thing she'd also need to sue for every time he appears on tv and every time he posts a picture of himself like at some point like yes it's your intellectual property but it's his body i yeah he wouldn't have like signed anything that said Mm-mm. this is your like you know this is your art and blah blah, blah. like no do you think the tattoo artist if i were to ever make it big would sue me for the rights of the taco dinosaur on my leg no do you think she's gonna come after me and be like there's only one of those i know that taco dinosaur I think I, I think, think Microsoft could whole ass come after me. You so. do. Your your whole right arm is one big cease and desist. Yeah. yeah. I saw this. That's funny. Is like I saw this TikTok earlier today, where um, some uh, the um, cat. I think it's Cat Von D is being sued. Someone's being sued because of using a copyrighted image on a tattoo. So there's there's potentially a case where these companies are going to start suing for tattoo artists not paying royalties to tattoo an image so like the million harry potter tattoos and all the disney tattoos i don't think, think it'll if ever I have any i don't think i have any copyrighted images on my body i have a frat tat does that count no it's not copyrighted i don't think so isn't it you you know this will as a chef um in it in france where you can't take pictures of your plate in a restaurant because the chef owns the design or something like there's some weird thing i it, i know it's somewhere in europe there are some places that don't allow you alinea is one of them they do all of their own photography work because they don't want you to miss misrepresent their food is what they say so if, if pictures of food from Alinea get out, they want it to be from their professional photographer. So I've seen and heard of chefs doing that. It wouldn't surprise me if the whole fucking French culinary, like, you know, the entire governing body for French cuisine, because they have one of those. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they were like, yeah, don't take pictures of your food. The chefs own the rights to it. I've worked spending 17 years in the industry before I, uh, you know, did what I do now. Like... I've worked with guys that wouldn't let you copy recipes out of their recipe book or photocopy recipes until you had worked with them for a certain period of time. Like I worked with a guy for almost two years before I was allowed to copy his recipes. Wow. So, I mean, I understand the, you know, the secrecy and the symbolism behind it, but in 2022, it's ridiculous. There's a thousand fucking mashed potato recipes. Like what makes mine special? How about your biscuit recipes? Fuck you. You're not getting my biscuit recipe. Well, isn't it just Kroger aisle four? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I fucking hate you, Bobby Mac. <laughs> the fucking canned biscuits at SoCo. I looked at them and was like, you, you paid good money to bring a Southern chef to Gatlinburg to open this restaurant. And you asked him to use canned biscuits. So you know what I did? I did the responsible thing and lied to them and told them I couldn't get them for a good cost anymore and it was cheaper to make them from scratch. Inside talk. Uh-huh. And then they got the... Do you remember all the drama they went through with U.S. Foods to get the bid so we could start getting cases of them motherfuckers? Because I kept saying we were out. I kept lying to them. So they would send me like flats 
of Grand's biscuits because that's what my owner wanted me to use for bread service was like frozen Grand's Pillsbury fucking biscuits. And I'm like, I hate yeah. you. The best, what's the best ingredient in barbecue sauce, Bobby Mac? Uh, you remember? No. His burnt onions. You remember him oh, telling God, us that bullshit God. story about how he burned yeah. his onions and that's how he figured out that was the best thing to put in barbecue sauce because he got drunk and accidentally burnt them that time? When a billionaire makes barbecue. All because he sold a piece to NASA. Let's talk about that. You talk about Tony Khan's dad getting like a billion dollars because he, you know, copyrighted and patented, you know, the way we like stamp bumps, bumpers for cars. That's where the Khan family got their money. Because his dad patented that stamp. You know? It's like that with, uh, what was his name? Mark? Mark what? Do you want to really say it? Oh, no. Let's not really say it. He's, um, you could say, um. The Queen of Versailles. Yeah, yeah. Queen of Versailles. That's a good way to put it out there as to who we're talking about without actually having to say their names. I think she has that copyrighted. Not the real Queen of Versailles. That's not well, who I'm no, talking about. No, I'm, I know who you're talking about. I thought, I, thought, I thought Will would say the Queen of Versace. The Queen of Versace. Speaking of creep shows, you know she had a thing for the chefs in Westgate, man. She had, a thing. She had a thing for the chefs. All right, and you just said the company's name. I don't care. What are they going to do? He said SoCo already. Yeah. Yeah, but that could be, you know, just a really crappy whiskey that they claim is whiskey. It's a liqueur. Uh, but it says whiskey on the bottle. I'm also aware that this is the company that opened a restaurant called Southern Comfort that owns the rights to Pappy Van Winkle and didn't know what Pappy was until I was like, hey, let's get some Pappy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo oh, Trace. Man. All right, uh, we digressed far enough. Allison, do you have anything on your list? I've got lots of things on my list. Let's just keep them rolling. <laughs> um black and gold nxt logo is back do you think and the one-year branding on nxt 2.0 do you think that was a failure now that we're going back to black and gold a year later i mean i think that nobody was getting on board with this tie-dyed spray paint logo and the black and gold just looks better Bobby, what do you think about NXT being its own standalone brand now? Um, I think it was interesting on a couple parts is one, Triple H has always pretty much said that it was not developmental uh, once they got their TV deal until he was interviewed recently and they questioned him on AEW beating him. And he's like, yeah, they beat our de developmental. Um, and then now they're going to get rid of you know, the 1980s you know, feel, the splat paint and all that good stuff and bring it back to what it originally started with. Um, I think it's a good move on the brand. The guys that are there, there are some good you know, workers in there, obviously uh, Steiner being one of them or Breaker. Um, I just hope they, they slow the guys down and let them learn the talk, learn to slow their matches down, develop their characters. And then more importantly, when they go to the main roster, continue that character. Don't do like, you know, in the 80s and 90s where, you know, you turn Dusty Rhodes from the American Dream into the polka dot guy. Like, don't do, you know, Tito Santana into uh, El Matador. Like, don't do the stereotypical changes. Papa Shango um, to the Godfather. And a million other ones. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love the Godfather. I thought that was my favorite gimmick of his. Yeah. 
comma the good father yeah um, yeah so you know when they bring these guys in from nxt it should be an extension of their nxt personality in my opinion like it shouldn't be this brand new character does um, that mean we're does that mean we're going to get pete dunn back and we'll finally lose butch you know my thoughts on butch and walter are both i yeah i was totally against it at the beginning now I've kind of settled down and not worried about it as much. Uh, Walter's new gimmick, uh, Gunther, like it really does fit him. It fits Imperium the way they're they moved on. I like that they Imperium back and brought the second guy back. Um, you know, it that does fit. Uh, is it any better or worse than Walter? No. If anything, you know, Walter is just something he's known in Europe and he's you know his whole career by uh, Pete Dunn being Butch. Really, honestly, what was the guy doing? In wrestling anyway like where where was he really going as pete dunn are you kidding me i would never kid you i'm very serious bobby mack pete dunn was like he carried nxt uk for a long time and then walter took over and like the the bruiser weight man and the nxt war games match with champa and those guys and like Everything that went into it, like you're joking, right? Pete so Dunn crazy. was. You can't be serious. You you don't think Pete? Tell so me. Rated, so rated Y. Uh huh. Right away. Carrying uh, NXT Europe is being the smartest kid on the short bus. That's not like, true, Bobby. Pete Dunn is a hell of a worker. He's the a hell of a worker, but carrying that brand is like being the champion of Impact. Like it's nothing. Dude, put some respect on Josh Alexander. That dude is a beast in the ring. I would put his work his work rate and ability against anybody on AEW's roster right now. Josh Alexander can outwork anybody on AEW's roster. Right, and I'll say work rate, yes. But saying that they deserve it because they carried a brand like NXT uh, England or Europe or whatever it is coming up to be. Except now. for Brian Danielson, I take that back. Yeah, that... It just doesn't mean much. Like AJ Styles carrying impact for all those years doesn't mean as much as AJ Styles coming over to WWF and carrying impact impact or even being, you know, the top mid card guy in WWF or E. Um, so yeah, Dunn, phenomenal worker. He did carry a company, but it was legitimately just a company that a glorified indie. People don't yeah, people didn't watch. You know, you had to seek it out. You had to be a true, true hardcore wrestling fan kind of like that 205 live you don't you guys don't watch a lot of british independent wrestling i'm assuming right like you guys big rev pro fans yeah no i haven't lost a bet like that in a long time <laughs> i'm just curious because i see a lot of people saying that nxt uk was just another indie brand in europe like rev pro was doing everything nxt uk was and i feel bad for not I'm spacing on the other two big ones that are in the UK right now, but there's two or three big promotions, and NXT UK was just another one of them. It wasn't the premier brand. It was just another good brand in Europe. Now, would Paige's family be considered one of the good brands of Europe, or would they be one of the just indie darlings of Europe? Like Paige's family? Yeah, they run a, a promotion over there. They, I don't know which one they run. I'm sorry. I have no idea. Allison, you want to look that up for us real quick? Um, 
But I think I do agree. I think NXT UK was just that. I think when they rebrand it and it comes back NXT NXT Europe, I think it'll be cool to kind of have it as long as it doesn't kind of become, you know, Disney Europe or the NFL Europe or uh, any other failed like venture that's gone across the pond and not worked out. Yeah, and you know, like like let's say Tony Storm for example. I didn't know any of her UK stuff, but when she came over here, uh oh. First mention, blonde hair, uh, blonde, good-looking lady. 44 minutes, four seconds into the episode, that's, Bobby. That's a record. That's a record. You did make it quite a bit. You're two-thirds of the way through the episode before you mentioned a hot blonde. Yeah, so when she came over and she started performing, one, yeah, she's attractive, but two, she was a good performer in the ring, and I do enjoy her work. Uh, you know, the main roster for WWE didn't work out well for her. They didn't know how to book her, but AEW is doing a good job with her, and you know, again, did I know her in the UK? No. Did she carry it? Apparently, yes. Uh, again, what does that really mean until you transfer over to the mainstream WWE or AEW, and then prove you know prove what you can do? Did you look up what you were looking up, Allison? Yeah, I did. What was it? I wasn't going to interrupt, Bobby. I already forgot what I had you look up. To be completely honest, <laughs> uh, Paige's family's promotion. Is World Association of Wrestling. That rolls right off the tongue. W-A-W. Wow. Wow. Um, let's see. People that have come out of there, obviously her. Um, Bellatrix Female Warriors. Oh, no. That's a promotion she owns, which is an affiliate. It's an all-female promotion. Maria Canales owns an all-female promotion based out of Chicago. Um, Not that that matters. I'm just throwing my two cents in because this we're just floating at this point. It's just the three of us talking. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like Jack, Jackie Stallone was the uh, owner, quote-unquote, of Glow in the late 80s. Yeah, I just found out about that show. Glow? Yeah. Dude, that... So... Being a kid growing up at that point in time, it was so confusing watching NWA wrestling and like all this real looking stuff. And then you turn on Glow and they're dancing and singing with each other and all these vignettes. Like, it was like a total mind fuck. It was like, what? I was like, could wrestling be fake? When did, how old were you when you found out wrestling was fake, Bobby? Be honest with me. Were you, you're old enough, and I'm not saying this as a slight, I give you a lot of shit about your age, but you're actually old enough when Vince came out and broke kayfabe, right? Wasn't he the first one that came out and do it? The late yeah, like, 80s, early 90s? When he was like, it's because it was all around the steroid trial when it all started, right? End of yeah, well, it was just before the steroid trial because he wanted, he didn't want to pay the fees that um, a lot of the cities were charging him for athletic fees. That's right, because so that's where the birth of the sports entertainment thing came from because he said he wasn't booking like legitimate fights he was booking predetermined matches for entertainment and that's where the whole drama with the entertainers visas came from originally too right yeah but then he won't let them be part of sag and they're not officially part of sag even though they're quote-unquote entertainers actors um in this production so it it's really crazy like how they do it all um but yeah you know that was that was probably vince like in 93 right right around there 94 um, but you know, I remember in 1986, there was a, one of the after mags had Vince on the cover and it said he wanted to be the Walt Disney of pro wrestling. And, you know, if I was older at that point, I probably would have realized, well, wait a second, 
is pro wrestling fake? Because it, Disney puts on these fake productions. And I had, again, as a kid, it just, you know, went over my head. But yeah, like it was, you could always tell there was something different. You know, when you watched, when you watched WWF, I'd say about 88 is when the production really got good. Like I remember when they first were on USA in 85, around that time, or first, when I first started watching them, like the, the rings and the, you know, the, the arenas were still dark. So it still felt like it was, you know, a, you know, a real thing. Um, obviously you had the NWA, which were these hard hitting guys that were getting over by what they were doing in the ring and on the microphone. And then you had these guys in WWF, like John Studd and King Kong Bundy and all these guys that were on a cartoon that I watched on Saturdays. And then all of a sudden I saw the real life person. So I, I, if it wasn't for that cartoon, like the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, John Studd, um, you know, Tito Santana, would those guys really be as big in wrestling lore now as they were or as they are? You know, like if, if it wasn't for that cartoon and that nucleus, I don't think they would have been. And it's almost, I would think, something that WWE should maybe look back into because they can't get their guys over in the ring or on the microphone as much as they did back then just by having a cartoon with them all in it. Do you think that, well, let me ask you a question, Allison. This will be easier for you. Okay. I would say you're a, a medium wrestling fan, having been watching wrestling for two years. You're slightly above average. You're no, like, for only watching for two years. Who is Big John Studd? No idea. Okay. That's, that's kind did of like... Did I know that? No. He won the second Royal Rumble. Bobby, rattle off some more Big John Stud facts. Um, he was part of the Heenan family. He and King Kong Bundy uh, broke Andre's rib um, for a big feud. Yeah. Uh, he used to call himself uh, the Giant John Stud, which legitimately pissed Andre off in the back. He um, used to step over the top rope, too, and Andre was like, you can't fucking do that. I'm the guy who steps over the top rope. Yeah, and Stud was only like 6'10". 6'11", like he was, you know, like, granted, that's huge, but he wasn't Andre, seven foot five, you know, huge. Seven um, four. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to have to look this shit up yeah. now so y'all can stop swinging your dicks. Yeah, but yeah, you know, he was, he's one of those guys, again, he was on this cartoon and became huge. He got the, he was one of the first edition LJN characters, which are the 12 inch uh, rubber wrestling character, uh, wrestling figures. Uh, 12 inch rubber, what? I knew that would spark your interest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> action figures uh, that were sold, you know. So his his you know that original run was Hogan, Snuka, Andre, the 1970s Andre with big hair and skinny arms, um, Stud, uh, Piper, Sheik, and Koloff. and they were the first one. So you know if you're a kid, one you're seeing them on Saturday mornings. With deal to watch cartoons Two, you go to toys r us and there they all are you know and you can bring them home and you know wrestle with them um i wanted one so bad mm -hmm. i actually had most of the collection and then after my divorce hit hard times it had to sell the whole thing and it broke my heart and it still does to the day um especially for the price i got i never had any of the ljns but i had the whole hasbro set from uh, 1989, the blue ring with yeah. the the micro brawlers, the three inch brawlers. 
I had the whole set of those. That sounds more about the size. Maybe for Texas. Oh, speaking of size, gentlemen, um, Bobby Mack is correct. He was uh, listed at 7'5"? Seven, 7'4"? Seven, I said 7'4". Bobby said 7'5". Yeah. Whatever. Okay, then Will was right. I, I Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Will you say that one more time for me? Mr. Gray, you were right. Thank you. Now as we close another episode of Botch. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted so bad one of the... And, like, as a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. Like, that was not something that I... Not, not something Big Al was a fan of. It wasn't even my dad because my dad, my dad liked it. It was my mom. Um, but like, so growing up, I was a super big tomboy. Like for my fourth birthday, I got the entire like Ninja Turtles action figure set. Okay. I what wanted... are the Ninja Turtles? I'm 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 just waiting for Will to show his fingers. <laughs> That was one of them. <laughs> um, I wanted one of those like like plush wrestling dolls. The wrestle buddies. The wrestling buddies. Yeah. Yes. So bad. I had a Macho Man I, and a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy. I wanted that Hulk Hogan one so bad. I'm sorry. Which one? I wanted Hogan's real bad. Like. Notice yeah. I'm not the first one to say his name. Yes, I was. Thank you. We've been hanging and banging, brother. I don't have the thing queued up. I had to change all the OBS settings and stuff. And since you're uh, not on every week, I lost it. The only thing <laughs> I had was like, I had this little teeny tiny, it was like this big, like figure of him that I don't even know where it came from, but it lived at my grandmother's house. And my grandmother's house had zero toys except for like, this little like rubber action figure he had like the wire in him and you could like bend him and shit oh the bendies the bendies yeah, yeah i don't know where he came from but at some point like i chewed his foot off you know biting's uh against the rules in wrestling apparently like i don't know but yeah like i lost him a long time ago but yeah so random things about me i had a random wrestling toy as a kid one random wrestling toy Mm -hmm. I had a ton of wrestling and Ninja Turtle action figures that I really regret not having now as an adult. Like I've recently seen a few of the toys from my childhood go and like, like why the fuck didn't seven year old Will realize what he had, you know, like 30 years later, how much value some of these things are that I had as a child that I just squandered. And I look back and I'm like, Oh, that's worth like, four grand now if you have the whole complete set and i'm like well shit yeah it's when toy story 4 really hits you yeah you're like oh man yeah, and I, I was like one of those crazy kids that like if i got a gi joe i had all his weapons i had the backpacks i had everything that went with him like when i sold my gi joe collection the guy's like you only want what like i told him the number i think it was like four hundred dollars and he's like okay and i was like what i was like what, what, what? And he, he didn't try to talk me down at all and I was like, Shit. that's how, you know, you lowballed yourself is when the person buying your, like your memorabilia is like sold, like without yep. question, comment, concern, they just buy it immediately. You're like, well, I just lowballed the shit out of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I lost a bunch of uh basketball card or baseball cards when I was a kid, because when I moved to college, my stepdad gave them to his nephew. And uh, I was like, holy crap. 
like, where'd my cards go? And he's like, well, I gave them to Bryson because you weren't doing anything with them. I'm like, are you shitting me right now? Dude, I'm still sitting on my Joe Montana and Dan Marino rookie cards, uh, John Elway rookie card, uh, Phil Sims. Like, I've got all these old 80s rookie cards that just sitting in a book, hopefully gaining money. Not like not like my Mark Ripken rookie card from the Washington Redskins in 92 when they won the Super Bowl that was worth like 80 bucks at one point. Now it's like worth 80 cents. What is the most, what do you think the most expensive piece of memorabilia in your collection is, Bobby? All your eight by tens, everything you've got. Um, I would say it like football collection or like football cards or just, any just anything, any of you, any of your memorabilia, what do you think the most expensive piece in your memorabilia collection is? Um, depending on where Montana is on, you know, like I'm sure, you know, and I'm not wishing this on him. I'm sure when he passes away, that card will probably jump up to four or $500. I know it's like hanging around like two fifty now. Um, but I would honestly say these pictures behind me are one of a kind from a Disney bus. Um, that's uh, the one that says Star Wars Awakens Hollywood Studios. That uh, used to be on a Disney bus. It's like a, it's a thin plastic. Uh, they're one of a kind. And that, that attraction doesn't exist anymore. The other one is Star Wars Force Awakens. Um, and those are both, again, they're on Disney buses for limited times. Once they come off the bus, they're destroyed. So I've got two of them. They're pretty nicely framed. And I would assume that I could probably get at this point, uh, I could probably from a Disney fan or a Star Wars fan, I would guarantee I'd get at least 500 bucks. So one one. of a kind means stolen? No, one of a kind means you talk really nice to the bus driver. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because I've also got, I've also got it from Ant-Man, Spider-Man, another Star Wars movie. I think I've got like six or seven more. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's like the stock market. When you get them like, and those aren't framed yet, but cause it costs like 250 bucks to get them all framed. Yeah. I've the got other- Allison. What's the most expensive piece in your memorabilia collection? Your IC title belt. No, I have a buddy. So uh, my great grandparents owned a department store, and I have an original Buddy Lee from the Lee Jeans Company, like really? displayed. Wow! I thought you were gonna say Buddy the Elf. No. You have a Buddy uh, Lee doll, like an original one. Yeah, you, you've seen it. You said it's that creepy doll that I've always had, like hanging out. Oh, I mean, you have. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. You do have a creepy dolls. You have that one, that armoire thing in your dining room that's full of all the really old books. Yes. A bookcase, uh, I guess, would be what a normal person would call it. It's actually called a barrister. Whatever. Of course, you'd fucking bougie ass, you'd know what a barrister is. Swill. Shut the fuck up. It's a glass front, (laughs) like, like almost 100 years old. It is. That's because it came from your, like, your... My gra- it was my grandmother's in the Great Depression. I was about to say, it had to come from, it's got a, a story to it, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I wasn't finished about the fucking Buddy Lee doll, bro. I'm sorry. I'm just cutting you off all the, just. Dude, like, what the fuck, man? Um, anyways, I have <laughs> this display doll, and he's probably worth, I think he's worth like a thousand bucks, because he's over a hundred years old. Nice. Damn. 
So, and then I got a bunch of whiskey. Yeah, I've got some decent whiskey. Um, I've got a signed copy of the Bobby Brown tapes by uh, Anthony Bourdain. That was a birthday present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've also got a signed script from the second season of Community. So I've got Chevy Chase uh, and uh, Childish Gambino. That's not worth a ton, but it's cool. Uh, My Mankind, that one. Uh, that's from the year he debuted in WWE and was the first time he was signing as Mankind and wasn't signing as Cactus Jack anymore. That was the first year he was doing that. So that specific Mankind is worth a little bit more than a, a standard one. Um I've got a couple Foley pieces. I've got a couple Ricky Steamboats. I've got a JCP turnbuckle pad that was signed by Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I've got Jericho on the list of Jericho. That's pretty cool. I don't really... Nothing that I have is like crazy right now, but once people start dying, like my shit will go through the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Like my Queen Elizabeth autograph. No way. Do you really? Oh, (laughs) I was going to say shit, Bobby. (laughs) You think I'd be talking to you guys if I had that? (laughs) I've got two Jim Cornettes. Yeah, I've got a couple Cornettes. I've got... You've seen some of my stuff. Like I've got Cena. I've got um, Dusty. I've the got, Dusty one might be worth something at this point. I've got somebody I know you'll be a be just a huge fan of, just right up your alley, Bobby. That's Nick Gage. God, surprised that guy can even write his name. <laughs> when did you get the Nick Gage? That was in the mystery box that came with the Luchador mask. Yeah, I forgot that one was in the mystery box. Because we got the Nick Gage, we got the Honky Talk Man, and we got Earl Hebner. We got three 8 by 10 signed, and then we got a t-shirt, a Luchador mask, uh, the little, uh, what was the little toy that we gave Johnny? It was um, Mean Gene. Yeah, like, it was just all this free swag. And not free. It was a twenty dollar box, but they were like filled to the brim with like wrestling. Your uh, Bullet Club shirt. Oh yeah, my Bullet that Club shirt. Shows, that just shows you that Nick Gage can't sell his own autograph. That it was given away in a twenty dollar grab box. Yeah. He Did you like follow him into the bathroom? Well, I wanted to walk up to him and say hey, but like the moment I walked in, like he walked straight into the shitter, and I was like, I'm not going to interrupt a poop show. Like, there's no way Nick Gage might stab <laughs> me with a pizza cutter or something. So did I ever end up telling you about getting kicked out of that locker room? The one where uh, uh, Steamboat. yeah, Steamboat was going to murder you or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> no, please tell me the story about how you almost got dead by Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> so I went to Johnson City, Tennessee. It was me and my wife at the time. And we saw Ricky Morton. We met him up there. And he's like, yeah, you know, just come through the back with me. Up with me. And we're like, well, we don't have tickets or anything else. He's like, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. You're with me. I was like, okay. So first person we run into is Carlito Cool. He's back there just pacing back and forth. I get a picture with him. Um, I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm just like, all right, cool. You know, we're backstage. I'm with, you know, Ricky Morton. Cool. Um, no big deal. So we go out there. We go sit and we, you know, we find our seats, which is, you know, this VIP little area. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was like, I've got to go to the bathroom. And Ricky's like, well, yeah, just go back to the door we came and make a left. Oh, okay. I go back there. It's the WWE locker room. Like I walk in, there's great Kali. There's John Cena. There's Umaga. Um, there's Ricky Steamboat. There's John Morrison. Uh, Molina's in there. Um, so I'm just like, uh, okay. 
I was like, I I can't I, who did I ask? I can't remember even who I asked. I was like, where's the bathroom? And they just pointed like, here it is, it's a public bathroom, I guess. I walk in the bathroom, uh, you know, I'm peeing. All of a sudden, I hear Chris Masterson, and he's complaining about being hungover and how much he threw up last night and where he's going to go tonight to drink again. And I'm like, yeah, you know, there's a really cool bar in Johnson City, blah, blah. I'm like, tell him about the bar. And then I go out, and I'm like, instead of just walking back to my seat, all of a sudden, I froze and realized where I was and what I was seeing. And John Cena's in the front row of these, like, couple chairs um, watching a monitor from the arena next to Amaga, and they're, like, talking to each other back and forth across the aisle. Um, Tony Gurria, an old-school wrestler from the 70s, um, I guess some of the 80s, he was a former tag team champion with Rick Martel. He sees me, and he's, like, looks at uh, Morrison's, like, who is that? And Morrison just kind of shrugs. So... I like just like beelining it for the door. Between me and the door is Great Kali. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. So Great Kali. So I go in between of Kali and the wall, which is maybe like two feet. He puts his, and for those of you on podcast, he literally put his arms out and falls backwards into the wall. I duck, which is down to like maybe like his ass to not get hit walk out into the hallway have to think do i go right back into the arena or left out the back door (laughs) i was like i'm going i was like i'm going left because i'm running from these mfers because i'm scared and all of a sudden i hear hey you i turn around ricky the dragon steamboat is standing there what are you doing in here who are you and i was like uh uh i'm a fan and he goes you're just a dumbass fan. Get out of here. And so I walk out the door. I go to the front box office. I buy a ticket. I go to my seat and I call my wife and I'm like, Hey, can you put Ricky on the phone? And she's like, yeah. I was like, so I just got kicked out by Ricky steamboat. He's like, did you really go in the locker room? I was like, you told me to. He's like, dude, I was kidding. Don't go in the locker room. You're not allowed in there. And that was Ricky Morton ribbing me and having me go in the locker room that was my first year ever performing in uh in the ring uh with uh the cwa out of uh, knoxville <laughs> the cwa championship That's... wrestling alliance what is uh who is the uh the guy who owns uh what is it oh innovate wrestling or whatever it is out there yeah, now innovate tony, yeah tony yeah. the dragon gibbons there you go tony gibbons i couldn't remember his name yeah, Tony Givens, he, uh, he owned the CWA later on, NWA Smoky Mountain, and now it's moved on to Innovate Wrestling, which, you know, a lot of top stars, you know, you have, um, you know, there was a match that I did with, uh, it was Adam Cole versus Chase Owens um, versus, oh, uh, there was two more guys that are like are in it now. I can't remember who, oh, I can't remember who they were. I'd have to look at the poster at this point. But yeah, it was a, yeah, there were, a lot of people went through there. Um, you know, like Jason the Gift Kincaid, uh, he's pretty well known. I think ROH in uh, New Japan, obviously Chase. Um, but yeah, there were, Tony was not a mark for the business, like Innovate and CWA and, uh, you know, even, you know, Smoky Mountain. They He didn't care about bringing names in. 
like yeah, AJ Styles wrestled for us twice. Um, Easy Money wrestled for us all the time. Ricky Morton wrestled for us all the time. But he was drawing more on his guys that you know he was bringing up. So that's what was always cool about it. Like every now and then we we bring a face in, but you know it yeah it popped some tickets, but not much because we were still you know doing good sales in the arena. Knoxville Civic Auditorium. It blows my mind how many stories you have, but I forget how long you were in the business. Is that you, Bobby? It's no. me. Hang on. Who is it? Answer the it's phone my, on air. Is it your dad? It's my sister. I'm live on the podcast. I can't really talk to you right now. Oh. Jennifer. Wait. Who is Jennifer. Jennifer, who is your favorite pro wrestler of all time? watch pro wrestling sorry say seth rollins okay so what she said fair enough that's a good answer you're on like we're like live 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 Ah. read your next headline while she's on the air read my next headline while she's on air um okay wwe filed for trademark of the name oro menza but didn't say who it's for i don't even know what that means O R O and then last name M E N S A H. Sounds like a porn star name. <laughs> it does sound like a porn star <laughs> name. <laughs> I have no idea who that would be. I'm hoping Alexa Bliss. Do you think they're going to change Alexa Bliss's name? I don't see that happening there, Bobby. If, if, that, fit, if that fits that character, yes. <laughs> I have no idea who that's going to be for. Uh, the way they do names, it does. It wouldn't make any sense to me. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if they changed it completely. Like that's such a very <sighs> Eastern European name. Yes, it is. See, now I was gonna say Asian, so I was pretty close. No, M E N S A H would be either Middle Eastern or Eastern European. The Middle East is in Asia. Technically, Bobby, but this is one of those situations where you're not wrong. You're just an asshole, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got one for you guys. Okay. Jeff Hardy, he's being teased for a return. Do you guys think Jeff Hardy should just be done at this point? Yes, and I'm sure he hasn't actually gone to rehab like he's supposed to. They're just desperate for people on air because they suspended everybody. And it, or everybody's hurt. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, the everybody hurt thing like drives me nuts because Arn Anderson has said it famously in videos is wrestlers back in the day didn't get hurt, not because they didn't jump off the top rope and all this other stuff. They calloused their body because they worked so much. Like their body was used to it. And these guys that, you know, now they're only work once a week. It's, their bodies aren't used to it. It's it's getting into a car ra- car crash every week instead of every day. And I'll do something every day, then you become better at it and your body gets used to it, um, you know, and that muscle memory is there. And I think, unfortunately, that's kind of where the business is at this point, is the muscle memory is not there, but the injuries are. Mm-hmm. I feel like the work rates of the people right now is direct agreed. It's in direct correlation with the amount of injuries we have. It's like, 
uh, football players in the preseason, right? They haven't played in a long time, so they go out in the preseason and they get hurt because they haven't done any real work. And they tell ACLs and MCLs and they mess up. And I think pro wrestlers have a lot of the same issues. If they're not working regularly all the time, their bodies don't get used to taking the bumps and hitting the marks. Yeah, like you look at, you know, talking about the football analogy, you look at the football players in the 70s and 80s who actually went to practice and practice hard and really hit each other to now, you know, I'm wearing a red shirt, you can't tackle me. Let's talk about Lawrence Taylor for a second. Can we talk about the fact that the man was so drunk the night he got drafted, he didn't realize he was drafted number two overall? Let's talk about the fact that he broke my quarterback's leg on TV in the most gruesome way possible with Joe Theismann. That's also true. He also is notoriously known for smoking crack before games. He's in the Hall of Fame, and he would he was smoking crack before his NFL games. He famously once took the urine of a teammate for a random drug test and failed the drug test with somebody's with somebody's stolen pee. He still managed to fail a drug test. He main evented WrestleMania and CM Punk has not. Ooh, LT's got more WrestleManias than CM Punk. WrestleMania main events. That's true. Mike Tyson does as well. Uh he refereed one. Does that really count? Yep. So Muhammad Ali is a, was a WrestleMania main eventer? He was the referee for WrestleMania 1 in the main event, wasn't he? No, there was, there was actually no WrestleMania 1. It was just called WrestleMania. Okay, I'm sorry. You, God, Bobby, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Yes, WrestleMania, the original WrestleMania. Yes. I hate you. Uh, Roman and Logan Paul got into it on Twitter today. Did you guys see that? Yeah, it's one of my headlines. Is it? Well, I'm taking it off your list. Uh, Apparently, Roman went on Logan Paul's show, Impulsive Podcast, and then after he left, apparently Logan and his boys said some unsavory things about our tribal chief, and they went to Twitter about it. Do you think this is a work, and WWE is at all trying to legitimize a Logan Paul-Roman Reigns match? Yeah, I haven't actually read any of the stuff that was on there. Um, I did. I do know that they seem, or I saw a couple of people put that uh, Logan was very disrespectful to Roman. Yes, and I didn't. I didn't understand if it was on the podcast or after the podcast. Both. Yeah. And then Roman like, tw- like quote tweeted something Logan Paul said, and then t- told Paul Heyman to handle it. You know, Logan, Logan's a, you know, he's a big enough guy, like in stature to compare to Roman, um, in the ring. Uh, does he have the experience? No, but I'll tell you what, there's so many celebrities out there right now that are putting on really good matches, like bad bunny to Logan Paul. Like it's amazing where these celebrities used to be terrible in the ring, Mr. T. And then now they've come so far that they, they can actually outperform the guys that actually do this every week. Whose WrestleMania moment do you think was worse, Snooky's or Mr. T's? I'm sorry, what? How did I not know that Snooky? That was your WrestleMania, Bobby, the one you went to in New York, right? Uh, yeah, that's a that's you know it's a tough one. I would say I would say Snooky. Like she did perform really well, like but you could tell it was performed. Um, Mr. T in the first WrestleMania. Notice how I said it correctly. 
Um, he did well for what he was in a tag team. The second year as you guys like are unison with the shit in your heads. This is a podcast. People can't see you. Um, <laughs> um, but WrestleMania 2, where he was the boxer, he did, I thought he did much better. And maybe it's being more comfortable, um, you know, a year later. Um, and you know, still worry that you know Piper might turn on him at any time. I would say, you know, Mr. T longevity-wise, and his mother loves him and he loves his mother. Um I would say Mr. T did better than Snooki. Who's your favorite celebrity WrestleMania moment, Miss Siegel? Your so favorite your favorite celebrity WrestleMania moment. You've only had like three WrestleManias. Mm. I mm, I don't know. Really? Um from the from the ones I've seen. Um, I'm gonna say only because it it's a funny. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like favorite for its awesomeness. Um, but I will say New Year's Day playing Rhea Ripley's entrance uh two years ago huh. and you like <laughs> bashing the shit out of Ash Costello. Did you even know the band was called New Year's Day? I had no idea. Yeah, I mean I do I do now, but I didn't then. Yeah, I remember um, starting a GoFundMe so that way all the fans could donate money so that she could stop writing music, and that's what set her off. She was like, "I can't believe you actually dare!" And I was like, "Whatever, I hate you." Yeah. So I've uh, seen her perform live with her band. She toured with Hellstorm a few years ago. Um, it's not great. Not great. Hellstorm. What the fuck mm -hmm. is Hellstorm? I'm sorry, you don't know who Hellstorm is? Is it a metal band? Sounds like yes. a metal band. It is. Bobby, you like heavy metal? Uh, sometimes. Depends on my mood. Um, yeah, it was uh, New Year's Day in the in this moment. <sighs> and Hailstorm. Hailstorm. There was one other. It was like four chick metal bands touring together. Stitched Up Heart. Wow, I've never heard oh, of any of Oh, Stitched Up Heart. Shut the fuck up, Bobby. <laughs> Whatever. I like middle. Don't don't be a butthole. All right, let's roll. A, let's rattle a couple more of your headlines off. We are uh, just going at it tonight. Um. Okay. So here's a controversial one that I know um, Bobby will like. Sort of. Maybe you won't. Um. EC3 revealed that the higher ups in WWE were aware of what Velveteen Dream was doing and didn't do anything about it because they were pushing him so hard. When you say they know what he was doing, which part are you referring to? Is that necessarily- The filming, the filming of the- um, The filming of the wee wees in the bathroom? Yes. Bobby, are you hip to this? Did you read about all that and hear what happened? EC3 came out and said Velveteen Dream was at a party at his house and hit his phone and was filming dudes go to the bathroom. One, I have a lot of heat with EC3 because he dated one one of the Playboy models that I was talking to that Rebby Sky was trying to hook up hook me up with. Obviously, I don't look anything like EC3, so I had no. Did you no really just name drop Matt Hardy's wife? Yeah, I hate you, dropped, Bobby. Man, name drop Westgate. Go so, ahead, finish your story. You are a um, name dropping motherfucker. Anyway, uh, EC3. <laughs> um, yeah, like 
dude, do you really think a guy that got kicked out of his own company and his second in command got kicked out of that company as well would have an issue with people taking pictures of other people? Talking about VKM and the other guy. Um, yeah, and the EC3 interview also went into drug use as well. Yeah, cocaine's um, a hell of a drug. Yeah, so I'm surprised Tony Khan hasn't already signed both of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's a uh, good one, Bobby. That's a good one. Thanks. But yeah, um, you know, I I don't put anything past, uh, you know, what, what Velveteen Dream, you know, has come out and, you know, had, has been, you know, accused of. Um, EC3, honestly, I, I will say he's a pretty cool guy. Um, I will give him that. Um, and he's a pretty honest guy. And he's got nothing to lose or gain by telling this stuff. So, yeah, I believe him. And it's unfortunate that, you know, when you're in a locker room, if you're an athlete and you can't trust the people that are in your locker room with you, then that's an obvious sign that you don't belong in that locker room. Are you guys texting each other? Absolutely not. I was like, you know, I can see you. <laughs> no, I'm looking something up. Sorry. I'm texting, but I'm not texting Allison. No. I'm being rude. Rude. I am being rude. Uh, uh, Heyman's narrating Extreme Rules. Do we think that with him and Triple H, could we actually see a true hardcore pay-per-view? Maybe. I think it depends on what corporate wants. Is corporate going to allow the blood? Like, there is a rumor right now that they're going to change the belts and make the belts look more like the old school or legitimate belts instead of just company logos. So um, it, I guess it really depends. Like, I think, you know, with the first ever Extreme Rules, that ECW pay-per-view was legitimately different and it felt different than the WWE pay-per-views. Um, when original ECW or second edition ECW joined the TNA network, it also felt different for like those first five or six episodes until they took Heyman away and then it became WWE light. Uh, they, you know, that, that first episode that they put a WWE guy on there with big show, like he got booed out of the building. So I don't know. I, I really think that, you know, how much leeway is Stephanie and Khan going to give triple H to experiment with this publicly traded company? The TV 14 rating. It's coming back. They said I've heard rumors back and forth. I don't. They've also said that if they do go to TV fourteen, that there won't be a drastic change in presentation for the product either, though. Right. Allison, bring us home. Give us one more really good one. Oh come on! I got a hot take. You got one? Oh, Bobby, go ahead. Go. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you had one. Okay, so everybody in the bloodline except for Sammy has a belt. Yes. Do you think that Sami Zayn could roll with the 24-7 championship and it fit his character the way he is currently performing and still be in the bloodline? This got brought up last week, Allison. We were talking about it, weren't we? We brought up Sami Zayn. That could be like the comedy shtick that he does to get his belt. Like he could figure out some way to roll Dana Brooke up, take the belt off of her, and be like, look, I got I got a belt now too. You know what I mean? Um, I think on the rewind on Tuesday. Was it the rewind when it brought up? I think that would be genius. 
1,000%. I think that would be perfect for him because it's going to play that comedy role. Plus, he's one of those guys right now on air that no matter what he does is getting over. So I think why not try... They're elevating all the other titles. Not that they'll ever be able to elevate the 24-7 title, but like... Come on, at least give him the belt. Let's put it back on TV. Have a little fun with it. You know, Midian took the European title out of Shane's bag and said it was his. So why couldn't, you know, Sammy go beat up the, you know, Dana Brooke and take the 24-7 title from her? Well, not necessarily beat her up. That might not be the best terminology. But you see what I'm saying. A rated Y, people. Allison, do you think Sammy Zayn should take the 24-7 title? Sure, why not? I mean, they're not doing anything else with it anyways. Like, honestly, if they should retire it with R-Truth and, like, that be the end of it and just do something else. Because, like, it has not been on TV since the change changeover. The only, wow, we've seen it because Dana Brooks been doing, like, regular matches. Um, but we haven't seen any of, like, the stupid skit bullshit since the changeover happened. I heard of I never I like I heard another hot take on it was Sammy wins it, brings it into the bloodline, and one of the Usos just takes it away from him and throws it away, like they did the WCW TV championship back in the day, and that's the end of that championship. That's stupid. I don't like that. I feel like it should end with our truth. Like that's he, he deserves be the one to retire. Yeah, maybe our deserves- maybe our truth walks by the trash can like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and picks it up. Yeah, and just walks out with it. He could be like Matt Cardona. <laughs> he could just pin all these people that like had the retired belts last and he just starts claiming all these retired titles. Yeah. Well, well, bring us home, Allison. Land the plane. One more good one. A good one. Um, okay. Um, MJF has created yet another. AEW faction called The Firm. Um, it includes Stokely, Ethan Page, The Gun Club, Lee Moriarty, and Morrissey. What do y'all think about this? So it's Stokely's boys that he was handing the cards out to, plus MJF as the leader. So, I mean, wasn't it the pinnacle before, and now it's just the pinnacle with other people? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. It's just not any of the people that were in the pinnacle. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's MJF and a manager with a bunch of wrestlers behind him. So it's the pinnacle. Yeah. But it's the firm. The firm now instead of the pinnacle. I thought that was, that's a John Grisham book, right? You are correct, sir. Starring Tom uh, Cruise. Yeah. Of course, Bobby would know the movie and not the book because Bobby. (coughs) What's a book? That's what I'm saying, Tejas. <laughs> so here, here's my take on it it's another interim thing like they're saying legitimately like this group only comes together when they're needed like i guess the avengers yeah but for bad guys i like, represent that that was called the wasn't the legion of doom oh dc and marvel you learn you will learn one day there is a difference between the two. Oh, i know the difference between the two one company can make comic books and movies and the other can't Marvel is what I'm saying. I was thinking of a group of bad guys. I know Allison's a Superman person, but DC is trash. 
listen, DC's got really good comics and really good characters. They did like a hundred years ago before Stan Lee started making comics. No, their movies are bad. Their TV shows, though, are good. And I think Marvel TV shows are bad, but Marvel movies are good. Bobby, what's the opposite of Christopher Reeves? Christopher Walken. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Did you hear that actress that uh, got stabbed? No. Reese? No. What? Reese. uh, Reese. Reese Witherspoon? No, with a knife. (laughs) I hate you. Dude, he's told that joke on air on a show that i've been on with y'all before oh hear him well listen like there's no need to patronize me this is still my show is it no with the two of you here it's definitely the least amount my show it's been in a long time (laughs) bobby plug your stuff tell everybody where to find you oh you can find me on twitter tiktok facebook Twitch, uh, Linktree, um, I don't know, OnlyFans. Just look up Yellow Shoe Guy. Uh, I am there. If you want to play some games with me, not on OnlyFans, but if you want to go to Xbox, uh, you can find me at Yellow Shoe Guy. Drop one of the L's, and that's where I'm at. Uh, It's been great talking to you guys. It's been fun. It helps if you accept people's Xbox friend requests. Oh. Did I not? I've got to look. Miss Eagle, you're up. Plug your things. Um, you can find me on the tweeters, uh, just a girl nine eighteen. If you would like to play Xbox with me, <laughs> unlike Mr. Shoe here, um, you can add me. Uh, it's it's Allison in Wonderland, but it's spelled all you know like fucked up and shit. Um, it's A L I C E N the number one. D-R-L-N-D. I promise that after this weekend, I will uh, do another comic. Um, Heal Support Group with Max and Colby. Uh, Still looking for a Bailey action figure, preferably opened, or one that you don't care that I open, as long as it's cheap. Uh, Hit me up in the dms um it's my birthday sunday i was about to say something about that i was about to say happy birthday it'll be the last time on air before your birthday passed so happy birthday from the yellow shoe guy and the will gray to the boss bitch miss allison happy birthday thank you uh as a lady i will not reveal my age because it's none of your fucking business you're not as old as you're not as old as bobby I'm not as old as Bobby. <laughs> um, if I didn't, if I heard you correctly, though, like a couple weeks ago, you were talking about my age and like you said I was in my mid thirties or late thirties or something like that. Like it was. I thought you were, but you know, it's funny. My ex-wife thought I was uh, in my late twenties um, or early or mid twenties. I'm sorry, like twenty six when I met her, and she was nineteen. She found out on my thirtieth birthday I was not. Wait, she married you not knowing your real age. Listen, you don't answer questions that aren't asked. Wow. I didn't I didn't know her middle name until we got married. I'm not going to say anything about my past <laughs> relationships and my experience with anything. 
remotely revolving around romantics. <laughs> um, I love you so much. Who? Bobby. Bobby. He's amazing. I love Bobby. Uh, follow the Indie Wrestling Gazette. Uh, we are running a newsletter now, bi-weekly, covering the wild world of indie wrestling, very centric to that. We're leaving out your AW, your WWE, your Impact, your in New Japan. Like We're leaving all that nonsense out, and it's solely featured on up-and-coming indie talent, indie talent that's getting ready to break onto the next level, uh, trying to shed, shed some light on all of those people. Uh, once again, happy birthday to the boss bitch. But now as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet. Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Twitter, literally all the options. Remember to like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps. What does it do, Bobby? Uh, followers? It helps find, find new listeners. listeners. Uh, <laughs> I don't listen when you do that part. It helps find new listeners. And if you're feeling really generous and be one of the VIP people, head over to patreon.com and donate to the Smack Draw Podcast Network. You get some fantastic swag. We get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win for the yellow shoe guy, Bobby Mack. For the boss bitch, Allison Siegel. I am the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. Botch Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Botch Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we're getting here on Botch Spots and Chair Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage at the Takeover all day. And Botch Spots and Chair Shots, Jeff Savage!